The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individual and may not represent those views, information, and opinions of the Washington Interscholastic Basketball Coaches Association, known as WIPCA. Welcome, everybody, to Episode 7 of the WIPCA Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, J.C. Alexander, head coach down at Mountain View High School in Vancouver, Washington, and I'm here with my other host, Connie Richardson. Connie, how are we doing? Pretty good out here. Ready to get started. Connie is the head coach at Graham Kapowson. Congrats on that. Thank you. And um, the other person joining us tonight is he's actually a good, good friend of mine, uh, Skyler Gillespie. He is the head coach at Sea Home. Skyler, how are we doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Glad you could uh, be on, man. Uh, how's everything going? How's the family? Pandemic, working, all that stuff? Yeah, it's going well. Um, so I teach up here at Sea Home. I teach our, well, this year I'm teaching our strength training and uh, power training classes. So there's a little bit of a struggle there for a while, trying to adapt that, uh, which you can't really do, doing our best. And then uh, we adopted our son in December. So we uh, added to the crew. And so since then, it's been pretty slow and at home, uh, just kind of on paternity leave right now. So our school just started going back in person, I think, <clears throat> this week. And I will I'll head back after spring break. So excited to get back in the weight room and, and get back to teaching. Yeah, it's been a wild time. We're we're back in. We've been back in for about a month now down here. So it's it's kind of nice to have some kids and kind of somewhat of normal uh, life stuff going. So, sure. um, but hey, man, so you've had a unique journey um, in coaching. Uh, why don't you go ahead and share that path with us and uh, kind of where you started and where you are now? For sure. Uh, yeah. And just feel free to cut me off at any point and follow up and then I might miss anything. But uh, yeah, I get started pretty quickly uh, for coaching. At least I coached. Uh, I think all of my starts have been very lucky and very uh, kind of out of the blue. So like my first coaching gig as a freshman coach was the first year out of high school. It was in my alma mater, which was Hawkinson High School. And uh, the only reason I got invited to be on the staff was because my buddy, Andrew, who was coaching, wasn't 19. And you legally had to be 19 to coach. He's a young one. So I was. I turned 19 in November, right before the season. He didn't. So they called me up. And I was actually with JC at Clark at the time, but I was just redshirting. And so the coach at the time was really nice enough to let me to do both. And so I redshirted at Clark and then coached the C team at my high school. Um, and the, like I said, the only reason we got an invite was because he was uh, not 19 yet. So that's kind of how the whole thing started. And kind of from there, it was a series of luck and fortune, I guess. Uh, a buddy of mine grew up with Dan Dickow. And then so he invited me to do a couple skills training sessions, which came into needing a sixth grade B team coach, which ended up becoming the A team coach. And then kind of built my resume doing that. And then kind of kept coaching at Hawkinson. Uh, I went away for a little bit uh, to community college in Yakima and then also to WCU Pullman. Um, I was on the phone with a good friend. Uh, his name's Luke LeCount. He was the Skyview AD. Now he's the principal, I think, at um, Thomas Jefferson, I think. But uh, he gave me a call on a random day right before finals and asked if I knew anyone who wanted to coach JV at Hawkinson. I think he knew he was baiting me. And I was, uh, I, was I can't think of anybody. And he's like, do you want to do it? So I just moved home in the middle of the semester and started coaching JV. And then the next year I got the job at Camus. Again, a lot of fortunate events of people vouching for me and um, people connecting with people that I knew. Coached at Camus for six years. And then I moved up to Bellingham with my wife and where I took an assistant role at Western for a year. Um, we adopted my daughter, kind of found out that I was, my lifestyle didn't really fit with what I needed to be able to do at that level. Um, I wasn't really fulfilling any area of my life in terms of either being a husband, a dad, or a coach. So I kind of had to pick my path and I chose to go back to high school. See home opened up, had a PE job, had a basketball job, worked out and uh, it's kind of all gone the right way for the right reasons, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, those PE jobs as I'm fully aware of don't open up very often. So the fact that you were able to just kind of slide into one at Sea Home is uh, 
is pretty nice and then tag the coaching with it. Yeah. So you were 20, what, 22, 21 when you got Camus? I think I was hired when I was 21, but my birthday is in November. So shortly after the season, then I turned 22. Yeah. So talk about that as you're only four years older than <laughs> the seniors yeah, you coached. Not even. I, had a, I had a 19 year old on the team. So yeah. talk about, talk about that step in that transition uh, as a, such a young coach. Yeah. I, I wish there was a transition. There wasn't. And that's probably the problem, right? Like when you don't have a transition and you just jump, uh, it wasn't like I was a seasoned veteran D1 basketball player that had a wealth of experience and knowledge that I was stepping away from the game or going playing overseas and coming back. I didn't really have that. Right. I went from playing at a community college, coaching JV, coaching varsity. And right when you lay that out, it doesn't really sound right. And that's um, probably most of my shortcomings were because of that. Um, but so, yeah, like you you're coaching in the. You know, every I, to this day, I still look pretty young, but like the refs are just like, where's your coach at? Right. And so uh, coaching, coaching that age was definitely difficult. And I wish I could give more wisdom of what to do, but I can just give you a lot of wisdom of what not to do. So, uh, but yeah, you can go deeper into that area or whatever you'd like. Hey, who did you guys, who did you guys play for uh, Clark? Coach Arnold, Mike Arnold. Oh, coach Arnold. That's a yeah. good friend of mine, by the way. Yeah, we both played. We both played, or JC played. I just redshirted. So, yeah. <laughs> just a quick question off script here. Was JC a baller? <clears throat> JC's had old man game before he was an old man. You know, he, he was, he was, uh, yeah. Is this off the script completely? Like, we're editing all this. Uh, JC's going to edit this however he sees fit. No, uh, we're not. I'm going to make me sound good. Yeah, no. JC was a good basketball. He was a, he was a, he was always the the coach on the court. Uh, he just wished he had some knees that worked uh, or some bones that worked. <laughs> knees are, yeah. those knees are bad. Um, yeah. But what what was what was small town Camus like? Yeah, I mean, there were so many great things about it, and there's a lot of bad things about it as well, right? And it's that's that's just kind of most of what you see. The highs and the lows, you whether you read about it in the newspaper or see it or hear about it as a coach, they're they're all, I mean, mostly based around truth. But I had a great the people that impacted my life positively there far outweighed the bad. And I had a great experience with that. Um live, we lived downtown Camas, so it was a cool vibe for my wife and I to to teach. I taught at Liberty Middle School and then Camas High School and then to coach in the small town. It was it was great from that experience. There's a lot of pressure that comes from that. Um it's a big school in a small community. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of pressure, um, to perform. Right. And they have a lot of, um, very successful sports programs and basketball wasn't really one of them. And still to this day, isn't probably the one you hear about the most in campus, but yeah, like a lot of community support, uh, gym got packed during big games, a lot of fun stuff there. Uh, the youth program kind of ran itself. You had a lot of, and that's a huge thing, right. As a head coach, getting somebody to step up and do that. So there was a lot of support, but, to whom much is given, much is expected, right? And so that that is the the weight that falls on your shoulders as a coach in a in a small town. I think. Hey, what are some of your mentors? Um, who are some of your mentors in coaching basketball? Yeah, um, I think two come to my mind, and they're both from Camus, and it's probably because that's where I had the most of a transition or transformation in who I was as a coach and probably as a person. Um, so two of them, one of them's basketball related and one of them isn't, uh, my AD at the time when things got rocky for me at Canis, his name was, is Josh Gibson. He stepped in, um, right in the middle of it as a fresh AD at a brand new big high school and, and, and a lot of pressure on him as well. And mentored me through a lot of my growth as a human being, I'd say very little as a basketball coach in terms of X's and O's. Cause he was, he was a football coach, but he just instilled he instilled more confidence in me and belief in myself and my ability to change than any coach had ever done for me in my past. A lot of coaches in the past have seen that I'm a hard worker, that I'll go through a wall for him, et cetera, but they didn't really build me up as a person. And Josh was probably one of the first people that gave me a lot of value and, and who I was, not as a hard worker, but as somebody who can help change kids' lives. And I never looked at it like that. My whole, and JC can attest, my whole basketball career was just literally, I'll, I'll run through the wall thicker than you will. And there's no question about it. Like if I have to hurt you to get there, I will. All right. 
And so that led me a long ways, but that didn't translate to coaching. So when you talk about that transition, like I was ramped up and I was the guy that would run through the wall, but that's not always the guy you want coaching you. Right. Cause there's different types of personalities on the team. And Josh was the first guy that made me believe in myself as a person and that I could change and, and be better and impact and that I had a good heart and I just had to find the right way to show it. So first and foremost, he's, he's the guy that kept me in coaching and I wouldn't be here without him. And you were still great friends to today. Talk all the time. Second one would be Denny Houston, without a doubt. Uh, I owe more to that guy than more people than I can count in my life. Um, he, uh, yeah, he was there for me for everything. And again, he's, he's helped me on the court with a lot of things. More importantly, how to like talk to kids and motivate kids, but how to be a better person. And uh, if you don't, if you haven't had a chance to meet Denny, Denny lives in Washougal and you should bug him and get him to take you out to breakfast because he's a fantastic human being. And uh, he's one of those guys that's coach division one head coach. He would get me to into these practices of division one programs and and I, I, I'd always go in and I'd be like, the, you know, like UW, right? Lorenzo Romar has guys coming out all the time, watch practice high school coaches. And I was in there one day, just kind of like minding my, minding my business, sitting in the corner, writing notes. And he comes up to me, shakes my hand before practice, because I think that's the kind of guy he is. And then I was like, oh, yeah, Denny sent me. And then he just goes on this tangent. Denny's the best. You, you cannot imagine how much that man has done for me in my life. And so, and so when you have guys like that talking about him, like you, you know you're lucky to have him as an unpaid volunteer assistant on your staff. Um, he was, I can't say enough good things. We could talk an hour about Denny, but Denny Houston, and he was at Western before too, Connie. He, uh, he coached here and his brother and him played here as well. So. Hey, what is your philosophy as a head coach? Oh, in regards to what? Your program. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a broad one. I don't know. Um, what are I know the things you live on that you Yeah, I I know I know that my my coaching and my philosophy and my intention to what details I put at the forefront of my program have changed a lot over the past. Um I know that as my life has become more balanced, whether that's teaching longer, having kids, being married longer, just developing as a human being, that it's really impacted my coaching. And uh, I'm definitely not the, the hoop junkie that I probably was once upon a time. Like I was out at every single youth event and all that stuff. And, and I'm definitely more selective with my time, but I think it's made me a better rounded person. I guess I'm circling back to um, like, I want my, I want my team to understand what it feels like to, to earn what they're given or to what they take. I want them to know what it feels like to have humility, but also to be hungry um, I want my team to understand that you get into life, what you, you get out of it, what you put into it and, um, that it has to transcend basketball. Um, and it has to, it has to be bigger. It has to be bigger than what we do on the court. And so, you know, 21 year old me might've said those same things, but didn't necessarily follow up with the details to make those things come to fruition. I just would have said them cause I know that's what you're supposed to say on a podcast when you talk about it. But I think now the way I've balanced my life, I think those things come to come to fruit. Like they come, they come to the forefront of my mind. Like I take time to do those little things, and that's only because I've watched other. Like for example, when I was at UW watching Lorenzo Romar, Abdul uh, Gotti threw a lob. Some big guy that they had at the time. He's huge, like seven something, and he he messed it up, botched it, went through his hands, clanked it, and he just started cussing him, screaming at him. And then uh, I don't know if he's I, he was upset with him. And then Lorenzo pulls him over and he goes like, Hey man, like he just took the time to mentor him. He's like, that's not going to get that guy to get any better. Now he's going to be scared to catch that ball. Right. Like you got to build them up. And I just, just watching those things, right. Those little nuggets really started to shift my perspective on like, Hey man, like I would have yelled at him too. Like that's the kind of guy I was, I was, you know, full steam ahead. Um, yeah, that's a long winded answer to your question. Um, hope I did. Hope I did justice there. He did just fine. Hey, last one. Then we're going to go to commercial. Hey, um, the transition from being at Western and going back to high school. Was that How was it? How was it? Super easy um, for me because it was only one year. And it was like six. I actually felt more comfortable. Um, 
I wanted to go to Western for a lot of reasons. The, the number one secret that I don't know if I've told anyone is that when I started my head coaching job at Canis, I had a group of uh, sixth graders at the time that were pretty good. Uh, JC, you probably remember, is like Jake's class and Alex and friends. And I knew I wanted to coach them through their senior year. But I promised my wife said, I'm not going, I'm literally not going to marry you if you're telling me I'm spending the rest of my life in Canvas. Because she's like a wanderer. She likes to go out and explore. She's like, I'm not going to just stay in one. I'm 20, 20 years old. I'm not going to. She's like, in six years, you have to move. And I said, all right. And I didn't actually think she'd remember. But that last year, Jake's senior year, she goes, when are we moving? So I'm looking at either going to, we, were, we had a plate, we had an apartment in Austin, Texas with a down payment for it. And we were just going to go down there and live and teach and whatever. And then I started talking to Trevor and he got me excited about going up there and Coach Dominguez was nice enough to let me come up. And Denny was a big part of that. Um, so for me, that opportunity to go to Western was like a learning curve. I never played at that level. It was just for me, it was like, we got to go on a plane to a game. That's really neat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just all about learning. And the more I was there, the more I realized, like, man, if I want to take this deeper, I got to sell my soul to it. And I wasn't really able to do that with where I was at in my life. And so, um, so yeah, so transitioning back to high school, it felt natural. I had my daughter. I was gone all the time, either trying to having to recruit or travel. And so for me, I think it was honestly a, um, a sense of relief that I kind of knew where my path was going to take me in the high school level. And I knew my commitment level and I knew I could balance my family life with it as well. So. And I got the PE job too, like JC said, which was like a golden ticket, it felt like. So, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and take our first time out and talk about our first sponsor, Bodden. Wibco would like to thank Bodden for being the official game ball and supporter of Washington Interscholastic Basketball Association for more than a decade. Bodden is committed to developing and producing the highest quality products in sports and is driven by what is right for athletes. A Washington family owned company that supports basketball in their backyard. Bod perform better. All right, so you kind of spoke on it a little bit. You just kind of touched and said youth program and that you had that good sixth grade group with, you know, Jake and Trevor and all them. But what um, what does your youth program look like um, as the head varsity coach? How are you installing and implementing, forming teams, all that stuff? Yeah, so I'm in a much different community now. Um, yeah, I'm in a much different community now with different orientation, like different goals for their athletic programs and kind of a more inclusive environment. So it's not as easy when you share, like, you know, right. You have multiple high schools in your district. It's hard. How do you form teams without feeling like you're scalping right from other, or like, what do you do with the kid that shows up from school X? It's not your school. Do I let him play on my team? Does that, how does that look? So at Canvas, I, I got to give honestly a lot of, um, of the, of the props to coach Kruniger before I came, like he had it set up. I, I felt like we, we did improve on it, but that's the goal, right? You set something up for someone else to improve upon. So coach Kruniger set it up with the Canvas select team. And then there was a group of parents that I kind of adopted as the coach that were willing to kind of show me what they did and then build on it. I would say it's a hard balance between, are you trying to create a more competitive program is that your first step or is it, are you trying to give kids the opportunity to play more basketball? Right. And cause depending on which foot you put forward can kind of dictate the direction it goes. And then also how it's perceived, right? Like I, I, my first three years, I ran the tryouts for our Canvas select program and I hated it because I had third graders, fourth graders, fifth graders, and I'm cutting them because we only have room for so much gym space. And I'm like, here's your head coach cutting a kid. That looks awful. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it felt bad to me. It felt bad to them. Like, this kid's going to grow and be seven foot five and transfer. Just watch because he got mad at me. But like, it, it, it just didn't feel right. So like, that was a big looking back on it. There's certain things that you don't delegate enough when you're younger and you learn to let go as you get older. And that was one of them that I should have totally delegated. But um, from the perspective of like giving kids a chance to play basketball, I think youth programs and all that, we did clinics on the weekends we brought we try to bring kids into the locker rooms before games we, we try to make it inclusive and being in a one high school town made that possible because I never had to worry about how that was perceived to any other high schools in the area because they were our kids um, that becomes much more difficult in the situation I'm in now we have Bellingham we have Squalicum and we have Seahome all in the same district and it's a very tight school district so um what we do has to be much more like open-ended to everybody. And we have to advertise it that way. 
So it's less like Seahome basketball, more like here's a Bellingham opportunity at Seahome or at Bellingham or at Qualcomm. I would say that the youth programs up here that succeed are the Lindens, the Linden Christians, even like the Meridians and Bakers and Burlington Edison's because they're out in the county and they're one high school towns for the most part. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of feeling the backlash on the other and now being in a multiple high school district. Yeah, that multiple high school district. I mean, you were down here and you have we have four all within 10 minutes of each other. Yeah. And so that definitely makes it tough. Um, one of the hardest things I think as a head coach is, you know, especially in more certain areas, more so than other schools or areas, is the parents. Um, how do you how did you deal with parents? Um, you know, what was your kind of take and, you know, philosophy with parents in the program? Yeah, it's definitely changed. I think it probably changes for all of us all the time for multiple reasons, whether it's our wishes, our athletic director's wishes, um, kind of the, the the direction of our society, right? Um, things have just changed. And then obviously your demographics and economic, where you live is going to dictate that involvement and what it looks like, right? Um, like I said, at Camus, you have great support, right? And you have um, uh, great fundraising and great uh, financial support and all that stuff. And then with that comes a lot of involved parents that that kind of want to um, have their opinion on things, right? And then on the backside, you might have a school that has zero parent problems, but also when you pick up the phone for fundraiser, no one answers. And so, and I know that maybe at some of your pre previous schools, JC, like that, that could have been, I'm not, I don't want to allude to anything, but that could have been the case, right? You've been in multiple high schools could have seen that difference too. So I'm kind of in a nice in between now at Seahome where there's a lot of support. There's a lot of uh, involvement in the community, but it's, it's definitely, I didn't realize that I, it was, it's definitely a breath, like a, an ease of breath compared to what it was potentially at Canvas. How do I deal with parents? I mean, I, in a perfect world, I think we'd all say that players advocate for themselves and you can communicate with the player and then that, that goes home and that's translated perfectly to the parent and everything's nice and clear. But I think my breakthrough um, was just definitely realizing like not every parent that approaches me was my enemy, especially going through a rough phase early in my career where I felt very attacked. Then I felt I kind of felt like I put up these walls and I and I didn't want anyone inside that wall because then they were going to use something I said against me. So uh, breaking that down took a long time, but a lot of it's trust, a lot of it's honesty, a lot of it uh, is having the confidence in yourself. Like I have confidence in myself now that I know what I'm doing is good for kids, whether or not I'm winning every basketball game, but what I'm doing for them is important. So I have very, I have strong conviction when I talk to a parent that I feel like what I, what I, what I pour into their child is, is with good intentions and I'm not perfect but I, I have a strong enough conviction now in my career where I, I'm not afraid to have that confrontation. Whereas for a while, those, those felt really rocky. So, um, you know, my advice to, I don't want to say young coaches cause I'm still young relatively, but people who are starting out is, you know, I think my first year I had a 55 page player handbook typed out and it was like colored and laminated and pressed and bound and, contracts and you I think you had to sign your house away if you broke a contract like it was pretty I think I had a lawyer go over it, it was ironclad uh, <laughs> uh, and then I I just really found I was like man and this was like I was early in my I hadn't even been a teacher yet when I became a head coach so I, I was you know the first kid that breaks the rule you're like oh shoot I have to kick him off the team now right because that's what it says in the contract and I it doesn't matter if your dad just divorced your mom and moved out the house and you're struggling you said these things you know what I mean so uh, I painted myself into a lot of walls early on, and now it may be more relaxed than some people want, but it's because from my experiences teaching and coaching, it's just like you got to deal with it situation by situation. Obviously, we have a – it goes program team you in our, in, our, in our program. So whatever is best for the program, whatever is best for the team, and then lastly, whatever is best for you is how we make our decisions. And so I can kind of lean back on that. You know, you stayed out too late last night, program team you. You know, our program has rules. You hurt the team. And, you know, here's your consequence. And, and that's just kind of when we have conversations uh, on more subjective or objective, subjective things, that's where it goes. And then objectively, I'd say what I've done is um, I've I've stolen a lot. So when I say I've done something, I just mean I've stolen it from somebody. And I, I wish I could reference everyone. Um, but I've created a lot of. And Ryan Josephson, the head coach at Canvas, helped me do a lot of these or did a lot of these. I'd want to give the most credit. Oh, 
to these people that they they deserve. But what we do is we we have a lot of drills that um, we track statistically, and then it and it a lot of them are shooting drills, and it kind of gives us a par of where we want our kids to be at. And if you're not at this drill, then that kind of dictates where you are in our program as a shooter. So we have like green light, yellow light, red light shooters. And so we just have drills and we run through drills and every day we keep track of those drills. And if you're hitting this number consistently, then you're a green light shooter. We don't talk about shooting. You shoot when you feel like you're open. You just let it fly whenever you want. And I'm not gonna bat an eye, just go. Obviously time situation has <clears throat> something to do that, right? We hope from there we can educate like how much time is the shot clock, right? But I don't want to get in their heads. They're shooters. And then yellow light, right? You're open, closeouts, hand down. You're open off the extra skip pass. Whatever the situation may be, yellow light's letting it go. And then red lights, you like, don't shoot threes. And for me, it was really nice because I could, I can go up to a player and be like, here's what you're shooting. You know, I'm willing to stay after practice and help you shoot, but this is what you are, man. I can't change that. Let's get better. Um, I can change that. We can put more time in. But in the right now, matter of fact, here's where you're at. And then I can take that to parents, right? So the more stuff you have like that, the easier it is. Um, but yeah, like I, the, the, the playing time conversations, um, those are hard to have, but I, I, like I said, I just have a lot of conviction that I, I just tell the parents like, listen, I love your kid. Like I spend more time with this kid than my kid during the season. Like I love them. I care about them. And if all that you think, if the only reflection of that love to you is whether your kid plays or not, it's like, we don't have a very good relationship. And I was like, I understand as a parent, you want to see your kid succeed. You want to see your kid have a chance. You want to see your kid have the opportunity to play in front of grandma who's coming from out of town and play in front of their brother who goes to college or crowd. I get those things, but we have a philosophy that we're trying to strive for It's program team you. And I, and I can't put your son above that just because of, you know, those reasons. And I'm really sorry, but I love your kid and I hope you know that. And I hope they know that more importantly. And if that's not the case, then our conversation should probably be about something other than playing time. Um, but yeah, you know, playing time seems to be the big one. And I think I can say that enough with enough conviction now that, you know, parents can choose to then go to your AD and complain about playing time or take it for face value. So, yeah. So for the record, I just stole program team U. Just want yeah. you to know. Oh, that's fine. You see yeah. It on the t-shirt. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know I stole it because I'm not very smart. So I know I stole it. I just don't know who I stole that one from. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind of like it's a nice little funnel, right? I like guess just what it. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah. Hey, so talk about some of the assistant coaches you've had on your staff. Yeah. Um. Denny, obviously. Again, we can talk about him forever. If you're in Southwest Washington. Uh, you can send me an email, like skylar.glesby at gmail.com, and I will get you Denny's information, and you need to email him and take him out to lunch because he is a gem of a person and a gem of a coach, like hidden in Southwest Washington. And you got to get him talking because he's very humble, but he's the most one of the most amazing human beings with head coach at um, assistant coach at Stanford, UW, Washington State, head coach at Western, head coach. Uh, Oh, geez, he's going to kill me. Uh, Wyoming, I think. Just an amazing person to pick your brain from or pick his brain. So that's one. Um, my the, the head coach at Canvas right now, Ryan Josephson, is probably, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because I know what it's like to um, have to deal with, like, a perception of who you are. And then, like, basically the only way I can change my perception of you is if we have a conversation. And if you're not willing to have that conversation, you're going to believe about me what you want to believe about me. And and I've learned to have to put my head at night and not worry about changing your mind. And so the reason I say that is there's a lot of perceptions. I think all the coaches I know, especially up here, our league is amazing, are just good dudes trying to make a difference. And sometimes we're not steered in the right direction and we make mistakes. And I'm so much a part of that. But my, my reason is saying that is I, Ryan is one of the hardest working coaches I've ever met in my entire life and I say that from like my year of grinding at Western and getting every assistance number that I could possibly get texting them calling them writing them handwritten letters following up with every single person and networking so I thought I wanted to do that I can tell you that that man works circles around me and my wife would just be like you're in basketball season you're married to Ryan you're not married to me because we're texting at 11 30 11 45 at night are you watching film yeah I'm watching get to, get to clip number 52 check that you know uh, Ryan is, and he's another guy that's super humble, but he like does the note taking. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this for a championship 
uh, sports, you know, their, their instructional videos. So he's seen all of them. Like literally you can quiz that man on anything under the sun about basketball. And he has an answer for you. He, he texts me the other day and goes, yeah, I was just on the phone with a G league head coach and we were going over their matchup zone. And I'm just like, how'd you get home? He's like, I email them. I email them until they don't answer me or they tell me to stop emailing them back. And then they answer me. And then we talk on the phone and resume. It's just, man, the man works harder than anyone I've ever met. So I've taken so much from him X's and O's wise. Cause I was the player that ran through a wall. Doesn't always make you a good basketball player. He taught me a lot about the game that I wish I knew when I was playing. Cause I probably would have been a lot better. Um, so he's been, uh, he was a huge part of any success that I had at campus. I literally called him my co-head coach. Uh, I, he was the offensive coordinator. I was the defensive coordinator, plain and simple. Um, and I think that's a great thing. If you have that trust in somebody and you're a coach out there, finding if you're willing to find someone silly enough to put all that time in for little to no pay, <laughs> I literally would be like, Ryan, you have offense. I have defense. I w- I'm going to question everything about what you put on offense. I want you to question everything I do on defense and then we'll just go at each other and practice and we'll make each other better. And it was, I kind of see how that, I never was a football player. So I kind of see how that vibe works with having multiple kind of like head coaches. And it was really fun. Cause I, I didn't have to stress out about seeing everything. I didn't have to stress out about practice. I'd just give them an hour of practice planning and say, what do you want? Like, let me know. And I'll put it in. Um, tell me three things to look for on the offensive end, like because you can't see it all, whether it's off ball screens or whether it's just whatever. Um, and then I'll do the same for defense. I need you to check out our triangle rebounding. I need you to check out this or that. So that was good. I haven't found that person. I'm excited to have uh, JC. Do you remember a guy named uh, James uh, Wolverton? He was the head coach at uh, at four. I think when like Philip and those guys were all there and and Terrell and those guys. He's a uh, he's up here teaching. Um, and he's going to be my assistant coach this year. So I'm kind of excited about that because we have that kind of Vancouver, Vancouver bond. So, um, last question, I'll turn it back over to JC. How do you relax when you're away from basketball? And I've gotten really good at that. Uh, I don't consider myself too wound up on basketball anymore. Like I used to be, now it's like, I got to kind of put myself back in that basketball mode. I, I, I really, 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 cause and if you guys want to talk more about it, my experience at Canvas, I'm totally open to talking about it. Uh, and it has nothing to do with Canvas. It's all about me. But um, ever since then, I had to detach my ego from coaching because I thought I wasn't ever going to do it again. And now if you go through that phase, if you're a hooper and then a coach and that's all your life's about, and then you go through the phase of feeling like it's going to be taken away from you and you can never get it back. There's a lot of learning and healing that goes on in that process. And you kind of learn that, like, I've got to be somebody else. Right. And so. That that propelled me into finding other hobbies, and and right now, uh, I mean, obviously, I got a three a three year old and a three month old. We got a garden, we got goats, we got bees, chickens. Um, I'm taking, I got my tractor. Uh, we're taking care of the land, but uh, I do jujitsu a lot, which is super good for my uh, mental health and just uh, get exercise in, which is super important at our age. I think coaches don't take care of their bodies very well as we get older. So that stuff's been important too. So, yeah, I, I, I really encourage you, I guess if you're young and you're trying to grind, you got to put that time in. But to me, the, the squeeze wasn't worth the juice at a certain point. And I, and I, I want to raise my kids and I want to be at home and I want to be present and I want to be a good husband. So those were kind of what drove me to balance my life out a little bit more than when I was 20 years old, living by myself, just grinding after that, you know, so. No, I think, I think those are good points. Um, as a young coach starting out myself, I mean, you just, I just wanted to be in the gym and I wanted to watch this and I wanted to do that. And then you have a child coming to the picture and then there's a marriage that comes into the picture and kind of the what's important in life changes as you get older and you do either one, you do a better job of delegating or you just kind of disappear in general. Um, and, good coaches delegate, you know, to those assistants and have those people that can do the stuff next to them. Um, let's jump into our second timeout. Um, and the Tulalip tribe, Wibco would like to thank the Tulalip tribe for their continued support. We also appreciate all that you do for the sovereign nation. Um, all right. So let's curious to know, um, kind of what was your, the, the toughest challenge that you, I guess, went through as a coach? 
Um, and then how'd you, how'd you handle it? And how did you come out, you know, from that without yeah. too much detail? Oh, that's fine. Um, I honestly, I don't care. My ego is so attached from it. Like, I don't care. Like it's more a matter of just being cautious of what I say because I don't want to, you know, drag other people into it or give validation to people who don't deserve it. But uh, I'd say, first of all, before we talk about canvas, which I know is what you want to talk about, this other one would be being a parent. Like, I would be like, hey, man, practice into eight. All right, if you want to grind, I'll stay here for another 45 minutes, put up shots. And now it's like practice ends at 730 because I want to be home at 740 to sing my daughter goodnight songs. Like, because like if, if my tombstone, if it says like Skylar Gillespie, basketball coach, dad, like I have failed. Like if the first thing it doesn't say is dad, like I, I feel like the other stuff was useless. I, I, I love my kids. I truly love my kids that I coach, but it's like, I want to raise my kids and I want that to, to be felt. So I'd say, um, and I think that I, I say that first, cause I'm sure that resonates with a lot of men and women uh, that are coaching that, that being a parent or being a mom or dad or whatever role that may be guardian is, is probably the hardest challenge and being a good husband your wife or husband kind of signs up for it a little bit in a sense, your kids don't sign up for it. You know what I mean? Your kids are kind of along for the ride. So involving them, which is another thing Denny has helped me out with so much. But um, so my, def my definitely biggest challenge as a coach was, was early on when I was young at Canis. Um, and a lot of it, um, a lot of it I can say now looking back was brought on by myself, like a phrase that someone told me one time was like, not give them ammunition. I just gave people a lot of ammunition. I was doing things that like a 40 year old, like a 40 year vet would do, right? Because they know that their job's secure and I was 21. And so when you're 21, you have a target on your back. Like, I think I was so caught up in the middle of it. I didn't really even understand what it was like, what it meant to be a 21 year old head coach. Like I was so focused on being good at it. I didn't realize like, this is a really silly concept right now, buddy. Like you're already starting you're already starting five feet back from the rest of the crew, 20 feet back from the rest of the crew. So at Canvas, um, for those who aren't familiar, which I'm assuming most of you are, because why would you be? Um, I got into a lot of trouble where I was, you know, almost fired and let go. And it got pretty escalated in terms of like the newspaper coverage, cameras, news in the morning, all that stuff. Um, and, it, and it really, like, it was hard to deal with. And you see it a lot more commonly now, right? Coach gets fired, blah, blah, blah. You see it in all the newspapers, everything. But I felt like at the time that that was, to me at least, pretty pretty newsworthy or new. But um, I think when I peeled back the layers more and more, like Josh is the guy who taught me, caught me through all this, was just like, man, the kids don't feel like you care about them. They don't feel like you love them. And I was like, how do you, I'm here every day. I'm here putting all this time in. I care about them. I want to win. Right. And, and that was like a big step for me is like, okay, but like, tell me how you showed them you cared about them. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm here. You know what I mean? I kept going back to like, I'm here. I'm great. I want to win. And, and, and just that simple question of like, how do the kids know you love them? I was like, and I was like, man, like I haven't built the rapport with them to be a hard ass with them. Right. Like I haven't built that rapport to be on them all the time. And so I kind of came in way too hot. Right. And then I didn't think I'm three years older than these guys. Right. And so that kind of led to me having to, 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 to reevaluate why I was coaching. And my kid coaching, I told myself I was coaching because I wanted to help kids, but if, but when it got brought to the forefront, it definitely felt like my ego about winning was more important to me at the time. And uh, so coming to terms with that was really important. Um, I don't know. I mean, ask a follow-up question for that. Um, and I, and I'd be more than happy to dive into it more. No, I think it was a great answer. Um, yeah, no, I think you I think you did that answer justice. That did did that question. Um, all right, so you are conducting your practice, right? You're coming up with a practice plan, and you're looking through the drill book and whatnot, whatever you want to put in. What are the two drills you're going to go to on a daily basis? <clears throat> your two favorite. Yeah, I was going to say favorite might be a better answer. Um, Hmm. I'm trying to think more preseason, right? Because like once you're in the season, you're rolling, you're just kind of adjusting, picking things out that maybe you didn't execute very well. And that, you know, I mean, I, I hmm, that's a good question. All right. Like our shooting stuff is about my favorite. We do it every single day because it's a metric we use. 
So every single day it's a part of our stuff, but I wouldn't name, I mean, they're really solid. I have a lot of faith in them. I've, I've, I like to think we've had good shooting teams. I'd like to think that I've made kids who other people look at and be like, who's that dork and made them good shooters and made them feel confident. Right. Cause we all know what it feels like to play for that coach that makes you feel like you're a dude. And I, I think that myself and our staff have done a good job of doing that. And a lot of that is through reps of shooting. I would never take those out, but, um, geez, you got me. I haven't made a practice plan in how long COVID here. Um, I like things that break down our defensive closeouts. So, and, and every, I feel like when you ask that question, everyone stretches for something new that no one's heard of, but it's, it comes down to like the basic thing. So we do a Vegas closeout drill, um, where there's three lines on the baseline, three dudes around the key. <clears throat> you throw the ball around the potato, like around the horn. So baseline throws it to center opposite baseline throws it to wing top thing. And as you do that, you're closing out to the guy opposite of you. So close closing out far side, middle guys closing out. But what I like about that drill is I'll take that drill, whether it's three or four dudes, and I'll just take whatever actions our opponent run. So whether they're running off ball screens, whether they're running split screens, whether they're running dribble handoffs, running their ball screen, heavy team, a stagger, heavy screen. And we'll just, in, we'll just input that action is like a have to thing. So we're just constantly drilling that action over and over and how we're going to scout it and how we're going to run it. So I like that drill because it can help you day one, learning how to close out. It can help you day, you know, day 50, learning how to close out, but it can also help you, you can tweak and you can put pieces. So when I scout opponents, I feel like I, I feel like that's one of my strengths. Like we really, I really have a good grasp of what our opponent's going to do. The one time I was ever able to beat uh, Blake at Union and when I say I, I mean my basketball players. I had little to nothing to do with it. It was because like he's calling out plays, and I'm literally like repeating. They're gonna go to the elbow. He's gonna backside cut. Stay away. And like our kids bought into it. And like the same thing happened multiple times. But I think uh, if you try to teach kids, my kids have a hard enough time learning our playbook. If I try to teach them someone else's playbook, it's way over that. Even in college, right? Even at Western, that's hard to do, right? Even at that level of guys, it's hard to expect them on Tuesday to know. XYZ playbook on Friday. So we just take the actions out, right? I dissect into the actions and then we rep those actions. And I just hope that muscle memory kicks in when the ball gets rolled out, that they kind of see it coming. It can be one step ahead. So that'd be one. And then uh, one I liked in high school, it's super simple. We just call it warrior drill. It's uh, it's kind of like a half to full um, in the half court. If you get to stop, whether it's a turnover, a live turnover or a rebound, you go the other direction, you get a point for the stop. You go the other way, you get a point if you make the basket on the other end. When you get to the other end, you've earned the right to stay on defense since you got to stop. You go again. If the other team scores on you in the half court, they get to play defense. We just go to seven. And I just like it because it just gets brutal. Like it just it just puts so much emphasis on that stop. You have to earn the right to play defense. Um, and once you're on defense, you just want to stay. Like it gets kids like you have to win the drill through defense. And <clears throat> nothing fancy about it, but I – I'm all about maximizing competitiveness and just getting dudes to get after it. So I try to cut out the fluff um, and get to whatever can get our guys competing. So. So I have three questions. Um, three quick ones. Yeah. You ready? Pack line. You're a defensive guy. Pack line or force and sideline baseline. Ooh, two years ago, middle. I'm all sideline now. All sideline. And, and or baseline, I, we sideline the ball. We don't call it baseline because I don't want the ball to go to baseline. We just try to sideline it, right? But yeah, we're forcing what you would say baseline. Okay. Um, your final four picks. <laughs> I'm a newborn and I have uh, a lot of projects. I, I haven't even watched a, a college basketball game this year. Okay. I don't even know who's, I don't even know the tournament was on. Is it started? <laughs> Did it start? It just, yeah, we're in the, uh, Dude, if I asked to watch basketball right now, oh man, I might as well sign my own divorce papers. <laughs> okay. I I don't know who's in it. Who's good? I heard Illinois is good. Are they good? Uh, let's not worry about it right now. We can catch it. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. Your wife might hear this podcast and hear you talking about. Yeah, no, she no, she's fine. I honestly like I detach myself, man. I, I I try to study and learn and read and make myself a better person, but I just don't. Yeah, it's embarrassing to say that on here. But I'm yeah, gonna let, I'm going to let her know. What are, are you are reading the, right now? What are my cougs in? Are my are my cougs in it? No, come on. No, this would be crazy. <laughs> come on. Oh, is anyone in the Pac-12 in it? Oh, um, um, USC, Colorado, Oregon, Oregon State, Oregon State. I actually oh back to back to reading. I actually just went back. 
And um, I was reading a couple, I can't remember the name of which John Wynn, I have a bunch of them. I was reading one of the John Wynn books. I love Jeff, or not, uh, uh, oh, uh, Gordon, um, the, the Energy Bus, the oh, Carpenter book. Uh, that stuff, I've revisited that. Um, lately I've been, I've been reading books outside of coaching, but like, I am pretty big into like my balance in my life and my, in my bettering my own self and then I'm a better coach. So I, I read a lot of stuff outside of just coaching. Um, I just read, like, I, I read a lot on the jujitsu side of things for like mental discipline. Cause I think that that's good for me that I can exercise and practice those things. But, but yeah, like I, I feel really stupid that I don't know who's in the tournament. I saw someone post something on Twitter about it. I got off all social media, so I don't know what's going on. So, sorry. Right. My last question. You're taking your wife out to dinner. Where are you going? Oh, good question. We snuck away the first time since we've had our son the other night. We went to an Italian restaurant. My wife would only allow me really to take her to sushi, though, if it's an option. So I don't really have a choice. Okay. <laughs> it's I love sushi, and she loves sushi, so it's our it's our go-to place. But up here, in, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Bellingham. Um, has Blake been on the podcast? He'll tell you that Coconut Kenny's, uh, uh, Coconut Kenny's will be his last meal if he ever gets to choose one. So that's a good sandwich shop up here. But yeah, we're going, we're going sushi, I'd say. Okay. Hey, thank you for coming on and hanging out with us for about an hour. Appreciate you. For sure. And, uh, like I said, like I, I, I'm still fairly young. I'm 32 or whatever. And I think that's what I am. 32. And, uh, I don't know, 10th year, I think ninth, 10th year, something like that. And if I can help anyone, like I'm an open book, if there's something that someone has questions about, like I said, I, I, I would say in the coaching game and kind of in life that um, perception is not reality, right? You're going to, you're going to have opportunities to hear things about people and take advantage of things. And I, I would say, have a conversation with people, get to know them. It's where you're going to learn the most. I think our society needs to hear that right now, regardless of what it's about um, conversations, what moves progress and, I think reaching out to other coaches and, and, and just opening yourself up and being vulnerable and not acting like you know everything is a super powerful tool that I think we all need to um, embrace. So, Dolly, you want to give out your email address one more time? or Yeah, it's, uh, it's my first name, S-K-Y-L-E-R dot Gillespie, G-I-L-L-I-S-P-I-E at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, like I said, open book, feel free to Send me an email if you'd like, or if there's anything I can pass along or anything you heard. So touching back, I remember, I remember that, like I was part of that game, but the game that you guys, when you were at Camus, you guys beat Union. And I literally, like you guys are, Union and Camus are two minutes apart from each other. And so it's a yeah. huge rivalry, West Camus, East Camus. And <clears throat> um, I remember that game because it was huge and Union was untouchable and they go, two minutes up the road and get beat by Camus. And so I remember that one. Um, that, that team didn't get to go to state that I had. And I felt like if Jake played, we would have been a state worthy team. Um, so that was kind of like our moment that year. Unfortunately, I wish it would have been more, but that was, that was a good memory of that. Um, so who's, who's the best coach? Last question here. Who's the best coach that you've coached against? Man. That's so hard. I've coached them in so many good coaches that have bad teams that if they had the right team and I've coached against so many good coaches that are so humble that they just give it credit to their players. That's hard. Who's the best coach? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if I would rank it in the same way you would rank it. Like I've, I, I feel like I've had a few guys where I feel like their kids just love them. You know what I mean? Like they just love playing for their coach. And sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. And that's a dang good coach to have kids that will go through a wall for you, even when you're not winning all the time. You know, up here we have, you know, Coach DeBoer was up here recently at Lennon Christian. He's a Whipka Hall of Fame coach. Coach Roper is a Hall of Fame coach. Coach Senf at Anacortes, been to state so many times. I mean, there's just so many good coaches. And then down there where I coached, there's Blake and there's Matt and there's JC. Obviously, I'm a really big fan of Ryan. Um, I don't know if I can name one, but I can say – wholeheartedly, like if I was a parent listening to this podcast, I have met more good people with good intentions for kids than I have ever come close to meeting some snakes in the water that are just out there. Like, that's not why we do high school basketball, man. Like I can't vouch for, and I'm not going to bash on AU and I can't vouch for all of you, but I can tell you like, we're not in it for the couple thousand dollar paychecks to be away from our families. And I think that 
to give credit to somebody just because they're winning a lot of games wouldn't do justice right now. I, I really can't answer that question. I know that's really a cop out. Um, but I, I give a lot of credit to the coaches that do a lot with very little, that either have little fundraising, have little talent, and they're just they just have their kids go through a wall for them. I, I give a lot of a lot of credit to those coaches and and what they do for their program. So sorry, I can't give you an answer. I, I, I would uh, I'd have too many I'd have too many people getting upset with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Um, it was good to sit down. We haven't talked in a while, so it was nice to yeah. chat about basketball. Now, are you guys? Uh, when are you guys starting up there? So our league is going to do uh, a six-week season in uh, May 10th. It's a Monday, May 10th um, huh. through June 20th, and we're going to we're going to play 14 games in six weeks. In the first five days, we have five days of practice, and then basically five weeks of 14 games. So we're going to play three games a week which is awesome. I love our league. It's so fun. We have 15 teams now, 16 teams. We just added Oak Carver. And dude, we have coaches that are so, we go from like a two, three zone, aggressive, trapping the wing, whatever, trapping the short corner. The next day you're playing pack line. The next day you're playing a full court man to man. The next day you're playing the two, two, one back into a one, three, one. It's so fun. And you're just, you know, every year we only play at each venue. Like I will play at Cedro but we won't play Cedro at home because we don't have enough league games for that. You know, whereas when I was at Camus, one year there was four teams in the league. We played everybody like three times. And then we played them in districts for the fourth time. So it's super fun for the kids to be traveling and getting all that. But um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play a 14, 15 game season in six weeks in May. Yeah, that's about right. That's about what we're doing. So well, good luck with that. Um, hopefully I can get up there and catch a game when our season's done. Uh, you'll still have a few more weeks after us. So, um, everybody, Skylar Gillespie at Sea uh, Home High School. We appreciate you coming out, and we appreciate everybody listening tonight. Uh, we will be back uh, next week with a brand new episode.